Uh, I'm going to jump into God's word today. Um, and um, I, I was in a series of messages um, that we called Nothing Else. And it was about the grace of Jesus. And I wanted to stay in that until we um, were, were going to be at Easter. But honestly, with everything that's happened, I, I just felt some things stirring in my heart where, to me, I, I just felt like I would miss it if I didn't speak to our people and, and anyone else watching um, during these times, just to bring some encouragement, some help, some application. Uh, it's, I, I'm sure it's unsettling, it's disturbing, it's uncertain. I'm sure people are dealing, I know people are dealing with fear. I've been to a grocery store. And uh, you, you go to a grocery store and you can't find any food um, because everybody is stockpiling it because this is obviously the apocalypse and how we all go on to meet Jesus and this is the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it, but I'm feeling fine. I just want to say, and so, um, but anyways, um, so I know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. I, I want to speak to that. And so I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter four, and I do want you to turn. I do want you to take notes just as you normally would Mark chapter four. Um, and there was something about a year and a half ago, it was around Christmas time and we were in a series uh, called the God of Christmas present. And we're talking about how God is present with us. And I did a message out of Mark chapter four, this same passage. So, so disclaimer, I know I've preached this before, if you remember that message, uh, but it, it, that message really got a lot of views. And, um, and there was something that, that came, that I said in that message, that it really wasn't the message, but something that I said has come back to me several times. Um, and so much so that I built a message out of something I said in a message. Um, and, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. So Mark chapter four, this is Jesus has been teaching all day. He is tired. He's been teaching all day. He's, he's been in Capernaum. He's at the Sea of Galilee. Most of his ministry happens around the Sea of Galilee. It's now getting evening. And he tells the disciples, hey, let's cross over to the other side. They're going to go over or across uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is about 16 miles north to south, eight, eight or so miles east to west. Um, but it is known for storms. And the reason is the Sea of Galilee is like the lowest point in the earth. It's like 700 feet below sea level is the Sea of Galilee. But it's also surrounded by mountains. And so what happens is obviously this cool air will come out of the mountains and it collides with this warm, moist air that's rising off the Sea of Galilee and you get these incredible storms. And you can see some of those throughout scripture. And so this is what they encounter in Mark chapter four. And so I'm going to read together and you can read with me there at home. But Mark chapter four, verse 35, it says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, obviously, with water. Verse 38, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I love how this is John Mark writing, but he was getting his intel from Peter. I think Peter's sitting here, Mark's writing, and Peter's like, and tell him this. He wasn't just sleeping, he was on a cushion. Like he had gotten comfortable. Just make sure they know how comfortable Jesus was in the storm. And so I think there was a little angst behind it with a cushion. And they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? 
And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to him, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? The wind and the sea obeyed him. Um, I'm going to give you my title. It won't make a lot of sense just yet, um, but then I'll explain it and, and it will. I called this message the storm inside, the storm inside. Can, can we pray? Father, I thank you for technology today. I thank you, God, that wherever we are, you are with us, that your Holy Spirit knows no bounds or limitations, and God, that you can speak to our hearts no matter where we're at. So God, I pray in, in every room, on every screen, God, you would work through that screen, that you would speak, that you would change our lives, and Lord, that today you would speak to us, and that today we would never be able to go forward the same. There would be something transformational that you do in our hearts as we gather together, although it's in many different rooms. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Um, I like this text for a lot of reasons. Um, I like it because, uh, first of all, um, they enter in a storm. And you say, well, what do you like about that? I like it because it's real. I like that the Bible makes it real. I like the Bible tells us the sins of people. It's no sugarcoating. It's not like, well, Jesus was in their boat, so they were about to go into a storm, but then the storm just totally dissipated. Um, no, it's like Jesus was in their boat, but yet they still went through a storm. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus is the word of God. The word of God told them to get in a boat and it was actually following the word of God, following God, following Jesus that led them into a storm. And I like the reality of that, although there's a great tension because we always think of Jesus as the one that delivers us from the storm, not the one that leads us into the storm. But it is highly possible that if you follow Jesus, you will end up in a storm. And I like to make that point because this is what it means, that the presence of a storm does not indicate the absence of your God. That the presence of a storm doesn't, I, and I want to say that with everything we're facing, and I know all of us are facing a storm that we might call COVID-19, but also because of COVID-19, now we're facing other storms. It may be a storm in your business, a storm in your finances. It could be a storm in a relationship. Uh, it could be a storm in, in your body. Whatever the case may be, it, it doesn't indicate just because a storm is present, that doesn't mean that God is absent that they were in the, the, the they, they were as much in the center of God's will as you could be and still encountered a storm. And so I like the reality of that. I, I like the overarching theme that Jesus doesn't keep you from a storm, but he will keep you in a storm. Um, what I also think uh, and when I read the text, and this is what brings us to the title, because, you know, have you ever heard someone say, it's storming out there, it's storming out there. Um, well, what we find in this text is something worse than it's storming out there. What we find in the text is that they had entered a storm and entering a storm, that's a problem. I think we would, we would all agree that entering the storm is a problem. None, I don't know anybody. I, I mean, I'm sure you don't, but I don't know anyone that's like, Oh, I love storms. You know, is there a hurricane? I'd like to just, you know, row my boat through it. I think that'd be awesome. I just, I mean, I know there are storm chasers and those people aren't right. They're not right. 
Um, you know, if you're chasing storms, that says everything we need to know. I think that says it all. And, uh, and we pray for you. And we're probably thankful for you because you get data and risk your life. And at the same time, while we may be thankful for you, we're also concerned that you would chase storms. But, but I, in this passage, I don't think entering the storm is the biggest problem. Um, verse 37 says, the boat was already filling. So the boat was in a storm. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that the water, the storm was getting in the boat. And, and I would say that would be the same for the disciples. The disciples were in a storm and, and that's bad. That's a problem. But the bigger problem is I think the storm started getting inside of them. And going into a storm, that's intimidating. But when the storm gets inside of you, that's debilitating. And I think that's the biggest problem that I see. And that's what I want to speak to really quickly. Because if you think about it, boats were made for storms. They, they, they were made for water. And it's not a problem for them to be in water or to be in a storm. The problem is when the storm and the water gets. And I would say this, you are made to go through things. God has made us resilient, strong as we depend and we rely on him. You were made to go through things. The problem isn't the, the thing you go through. The problem is when that thing gets inside of you. And so I want to I speak to that just a minute from this text. And so I actually have like seven points. So these are going to go really quickly, we, we hope. Um, because if you're like, you're like, my God, this is going to be on, all day. No, 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 no. It's, it's real quick. Because I, I, felt like I, I felt like where I wanted to start was, um, uh, what, what is the indication that the storm is inside of you? I think you need to know, has the storm gotten inside of me? What, what are the signs that the storm is inside of me? And it really all comes from verse 38. Verse 38 says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion and the disciples woke him up. Look at this, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So, so here, here are three signs really quick. Three signs that the storm has gotten inside of you. Number one, number one, write this down. You have more than a month's supply of toilet paper. Listen, if you got more than a month's supply of toilet paper, either you've got a severe intestinal problem or the storm has gotten inside of you and you're afraid the storm's going to come out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, that sets you free. Didn't it? Anyways, no, real, real point number one. Here's storms inside of me. Number one, number one, look at this. It says they woke him up shouting. They woke him up shouting. So write this down. Here's the number one sign that the storm has gotten inside of you. Now you're mad at God. And, and I, know, I know as believers, we're like, we would never admit to being mad at God. But I'm just wondering, um, are you shouting at him? Maybe not externally, but internally. God, what in the world? What is going on? Where are you at? What are you doing? Why aren't you moving? Why did you allow this? Why aren't you doing it? Maybe you're not shouting at him through your vocal cords, but I'm just wondering, remember, we're talking about what's going on inside of us. I just wonder inside of you, are you upset with God? Do you feel like God's not taking care of you? You know, um, most of the time, our anger at God, listen to this, is always based on an assessment of his performance. If you're angry with God, think about this. 
It's because you, you've made a judgment on his performance. And you've judged that he's not doing his job very well. And, and let me go a little bit farther. Here's what you need to know about your judgment. Your judgment is based on your limited perspective of the entirety of the situation. See, they didn't understand Jesus was asleep because he knew we're not going down. Like God had a perspective. He had a perspective they didn't have. And because they didn't have his perspective, they made an assessment about his performance. And now they're shouting at him. And the truth is, can I just be honest? Most of the time, anger is our first emotion. Fear is what caused the anger. And, and here, same thing. Here's why we're fearful. We're assessing his performance. And because he's not moving, we're afraid. And because he's not moving, we get upset. Or because he moves in a way we don't like or doesn't move in the way we do like, we get upset. And I think you just need to be inside. If, if you're upset at God on the inside, listen, the storm's gotten inside of you. Here's the second thing. Um, you don't feel like God cares. They said this. They're shouting at God, don't you care? And, and so here's another way to understand that the fear gets inside us. We, we feel like God doesn't really care. God doesn't really see. He's not really concerned. And I love the promise from Scripture that Peter gives us in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting your care upon him. Look at this. For he cares for you. And, and I like because I like using this verse because um, I, I like the New King James here because it uses care twice. Cast your care. It talks about your care and his care. Your care and his care. It's a different Greek word um, in the original text. So casting your care, that means your anxiety or fear. So what he's saying is, P Peter's saying, hey, you have to offload your anxiety and you have to offload your fear. And you offload it on him because he cares. That word actually means to look upon with concern to be focused on, to be fixed on. And I think this is the posture of God. Even when we're anxious, he's watching us. When we're concerned, he's looking at us. And he is absolutely not, not concerned in that he's worried about us because he knows he's got this. But, but his, his compassion and his concern for us that causes him to keep his eye upon us. The, the Bible says that, that his eyes are always upon the righteous and his ear is always attentive to their cry. So we, we cast our care. I like the verse right before this but because it's talking about pride and humility. It's talking about humble yourselves under the hand of God, casting all your care. And I think about how arrogant it is for us to hold on to our cares. Oh, you didn't see that coming. You didn't see it coming. You got to read everything in context in the Bible. And it's like, you know, humble yourselves before God and, you know, um, pride, you know. And, and so it's contrasting pride. And then immediately in the middle of the sentence goes into care. And I just think about how many times when we don't think God's doing a good job, we arrogantly hold on to our care because he's not managing our care very well. He's not taking our care. He's not doing. And I thought how arrogant to think that we could deal with us better than he. How arrogant of us to think that we care more about us than he cares about us. And so, so it, you think God doesn't care. And then number three, um, you believe this is the end. <laughs> it's the end. This is how we all go out. <laughs> it's not the end. And, and when I thought about this, you know, honestly, what I thought about was Martha and Mary, John 11. We all know the story of Lazarus. Jesus, somebody you love is sick. He waits four days. He comes and they say, Jesus, if you'd have been here, 
Like it, it, it were, it, th- here's what they thought. We're past the end. Like the end was four days ago, Jesus. And they think four days ago was the end. So if you wanted to be here before the end, you had to be here three days ago. But four days ago was the end. And then Jesus says this, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And here's what Jesus is saying. When your God's name is resurrection, the end isn't even the end. When your God's name, when your king's name is resurrection, even the end is never the end. So, so those, are, those are signs. Those are signs the storm has gotten inside of you. Let me give you, let me give you some, some ways to keep the storm outside of you or to get the storm outside of you. Uh, it's okay to say there's a storm out there. We just don't want to have to say there's a storm in here. And if there is a storm in here, let me give you four things really quickly, four things to keep the storm outside of you. Number one, and this, to me, this is the obvious. You got you to get Jesus in your boat. You got to get Jesus in your boat. I love this. It says, they took him with them as he was. And, and I thought about the fact that, that and we know Jesus had been teaching all day and he was tired. That's why it says, as he was, how was he? He was tired. That's why he's sleeping on a cushion in the middle of a hurricane, which is East Texan for hurricane, a hurricane. Um, <laughs> but they took him with them as he, they took him with them. And I thought, man, this is, this is a time to have Jesus in your boat. And, and I thought about, because, you know, I, I have friends who are atheists and friends who are agnostics, and, and there are people that will say, you know, that God, Jesus, that's just a crutch for weak people. Um, and here's what I would say to, to that is, uh, it's not a crutch. But here's what also I would say is, we're all weak. And what I would say is, since you're just as weak as me, if we want to make him a crutch, what do you lean on when you don't have the strength to walk? Because I don't think he's the crutch for the weak. I think he's the savior for the world. And I am so grateful that when I am weak, he is strong. And so if you want to call him a crutch, fine with me. Because that way, when I'm hurting, when I can't walk, when there's something going on with me, I can lean on him. I can cast my care. And so I want to make sure this, I always want to make sure Jesus is in my boat. I don't want to go anywhere without Jesus. There were other storms. Think about this. We're all going to go through storms. There were other boats in the storm. Scripture was very clear. There were other boats that went along, but they didn't have Jesus in the boat. And so we want to make sure you have Jesus in the boat. That's keeping the storm outside of you. You got to keep Jesus in your boat. Here's the second thing. You have to believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. Uh, verse 35, really, and, and I know you probably heard this because this passage has been preached so many times. Verse 35, I think, tells us everything that everything the disciples needed to know because Jesus said, let's cross over. He didn't say, let's go out into the middle and drown. He said, "This is, think about this, it's the word of God, God incarnate. Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? So Jesus is the Word of God, and the Word of God tells them, let's go across, not let's go out in the middle and die. And, and, and what I would say is, in this time, you need to know what the Word of God is telling you. Um, Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. That word hearing is actually, most people know this, there are three Greek words when we're talking about the word of God or scripture in the Bible. So um, the first one would be um, graphe, graphe. Graphe is, is just you know, it's the written word of God. Then there's logos, which is the generalized expression of God. And then there's the rhema, which is the personal speaking of God. Right. So there's there's the there's the writing graphe. There's the general expression logos, and then there's the rhema, which is God. So when when Paul is talking to the Romans, Romans ten, and he says this, faith comes by hearing. He's actually using the word rhema, which means what is God saying? Faith comes by hearing God. Faith comes by hearing God speak to me. And look, look at this. Faith comes when the word of God becomes very personal and the word of God speaks to me personally. And that's exactly what the disciples said. The word of God said, let's cross over to the other side. And, and I love what uh, Pastor Jeremy Foster out of Hope City, um, he made this statement and I loved it. And he said, right now, I think a lot of, a lot of believers are watching the news and checking the word. And he said, I think what we should be doing is watching the word and checking the news. And I would just encourage you that, that the news is not a word from God. That's a word from man. And I would encourage you to have a word from God. And that's why I think a lot of, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders are on social media trying to share words from God because they know people need to hear a word from God. But you don't just need a generalized expression, a logos. You need, just like yesterday, I woke up and, and there's a lot of things you can be worried about. In my world, there's a lot of things I can be worried about right now. I mean, we're, we're the church and the impact on the church and trying to take care of people and you can't really get to them and you can't gather them and we're trying to stay connected in life groups and we don't want anybody left behind or lost. And so we're trying to teach our life group leaders how to use Zoom if they don't know and, and how to do FaceTime and try to keep up with people and try to minister to people. And then we got this budget over here and, and the, the economy has been severely impacted, which impacts all the churches and I'm on calls with pastors and, and they're struggling because they didn't have reserves. And, and there's so many things. And I mean, the water could just get in your boat so quickly. And so what, what you have to do is you have to have a word from God. Just like yesterday, I woke up up. And I heard this, though the nations may rage, though kingdoms may fall, God speaks and the earth melts. The Almighty is with you. The God of Jacob is your refuge. And I thought, God, that's a word from God. We need to hear that word from God from Psalm 46. That's Ramah. God, you're telling me the nations are going to rage and kingdoms may fall, but you're my God and you're my refuge and you're my source and you're my help in times of trouble. And I need not fear because Jesus is in my boat and the word has spoken. I will cross over to the other side. So believe, believe. I, I, think about this. Um, there's a difference, think about this, b between being around the word and, and believing the word. Because they actually, think about this, they heard the word, but the word didn't get inside of them. He said, let's cross over to the other side. They'd already forgotten that. They're bailing water. Jesus, we're all gonna die, Jesus. Imagine, imagine, think about this. I would just like to say this. Um, <laughs> Before the next crisis, because I, I don't mean to be, I don't want to make light of this. This is very serious, but I, I was thinking about a t-shirt or a post that I saw the last time we were in a crisis that, that it said, I don't mean to brag, but this is like seven ends of the world I've lived through. And, um, and I just thought about how we're so quick. But anyways, I, 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 I remiss. But, but the point is, 
They were around the word, but the word didn't get inside of them. Think about that. They had the word in their boat, but they didn't have the word in them. Think about that. And, and I thought about David's word in Psalm 19. He said, your word I have hidden in my heart that, that I would not sin. But think about the concept, your word I've hidden. That word, that word hidden, it's like a buried treasure. That's the picture in, in Hebrew. And so it's actually what David said. I've treasured it so much, I, I buried it deep in my heart. And I thought about we're in Mark chapter four because Mark chapter four <clears throat> is, um, is where they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. But do you know how Mark chapter four starts with the teaching on the sower and the seed? The farmer who sows and there are four types of soil. Remember this? I mean, there's the, the path where the birds of the air steal the seed, right? Um, there's the, the, the rocky ground where the seed starts to take root, but it really can't get a root. So the sun dries it out, it dies. Then there's the thorns that choke out the word. And then there's the good soil. And, and you know what I thought about all this? There's, there, these are four attempts. Look at this. I, I mean, these are four places, four attempts for, for the word to get in you, but three things that keep the word out of you. So three things that keep the word out of you really is, first of all, Satan. Like right now, your stream might be glitching. Your kid's running around. Somebody's crying. It's okay. You can watch it back on demand, but you need to watch it back. You can watch it back on YouTube, but you need to walk, watch it back. Don't, don't let somebody's texting you, right? Neighbors ringing your doorbell because they need to borrow some TP, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is. But here's what I want you to think about is, is that all of these, like the, is soil, but, but three of them are set against the word being buried in us. So there's the footpath where the birds steal it. So Satan's going to try to keep you from getting the word in your heart, right? Um, there's the rocky ground, which uh, Jesus relates as the trials. In other words, we get more focused and more worried and we get more focused on our worry than the word, essentially. And then there's the thorns. That's the things we want, the desires we want. That's the things he calls the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of our heart. In other words, if you think about it, um, those three things are all about a lack of focus or focus. So the, the birds stealing the seed, that's because I'm not focused on the seed. I'm not focused on the word. But then when I get to the stone, the stony ground, then I'm, I'm more focused on the trial. I'm more focused on the fear. I'm more focused on what the problem is. And so the seed can't take root. And then when I get the thorny ground, I'm focused on something else. So it's a lack of focus being focused essentially on the wrong thing um, and then on, on the trial or then being focused on a desire or something that I want instead of what God wants me wants for me. And then, and then the last one is the good soil. It means the rich soil, the fine soil, the, the loose soil. And this speaks to, to, to our heart being receptive and allowing the word of God to bury deep in our hearts. Allowing God's word to, and so here's some things that we can do. So how do we get to good soul? Well, it's obvious. Number one, you have to stay focused. Number, number two, don't focus on the trial. And number three, don't focus on some desire or something you want. Be focused on the word. If you're focused, this is what David said, I've hidden your word in my heart. If I'm focused on the word of God, I can get it down into my heart. Are, are, are you with me on that? And so believe the word of God. Here's the third thing. Choose faith over fear. Jesus said, why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith? Um, I shared this earlier in the week, but I want to share it again because I've kind of got everybody together. Faith and fear are essentially the same thing. Um, it's, it's, it's an assessment and a belief. Here's what I mean. Both faith and fear are an assessment of something 
as powerful and a belief that that will ultimately prevail. And, you know, we, we talk about prophesying. Fear is a prophetic spirit. It just prophesies instead of prophesies. And so <laughs> let's throw back to some old town church right there. Got your prophesying going on. So, um, but I'm just telling you that the, the, um, the fear prophesies. It does. It prophesies at us. And it tells us things that are going to happen that aren't going to happen. But think about this. They're both an assessment of power and a belief and trust in it. And so when I look at the storm, when I look at the situation, that's their problem. They're looking at the storm. They're like, this storm's powerful. We believe it's going to have the final say. And that's where you could be at today. You'd be saying, hey, this, this storm's powerful, and I believe it's going to have the final say, whether it's in my business or my finances, my job, my family, whatever the case may be. Or you could say, you know what? I believe that God is powerful, and I believe that he will have the final say. And I'll tell you why you trust in God above everything else, because he's sovereign. What do I, what I mean by that? Sover means supreme, solve, supreme. Reign means rule. So he is the supreme ruler, meaning there is none higher. There is none greater, right? He was before all things. He would be after all things, right? He is the alpha. He is the omega. Are you with me? He is the all-powerful God. And so what we have to do is focus on him and we have to ascribe and say, you know what? He's powerful. I, I made an assessment. God is more powerful than the storm and I will trust him above the winds and the waves. Uh, if you think about this, Jesus almost indicates, he's like, you chose fear and you should have chosen faith. He almost indicates what I believe, and that is that fear and faith are both a choice. Yeah. Think about it. You, you choose. You can choose fear. You can choose faith. It's just a matter of which one you want to believe, which one you want to assess and put trust in. You can put trust in everything you fear, or you can put trust in God. You, you get to choose fear or faith. Here's the fourth thing. Let me give you the fourth thing. Stay full. Stay full. Um, we were created to be filled. You see this in the garden. This is one of the first things you, one of the first revelations you have about man. God formed him and, 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 and then he wasn't alive and then God filled him and then he was alive. He had to be formed, then filled, and you were formed to be filled. You were formed to be filled. Uh, look at somebody in your room, tell them you were formed to be filled. Now, because of that, you, you can tell them this, you're full of something. That's right. Look at somebody, text somebody, put on stream. Right? You're full of something. You're, you're, because you were formed to be filled, you're going to be full of something. Right? And so, and, and here's, a bit, here's another thing, talking about power, you get to choose what you're filled with. You get to choose what you're filled with with. We were created to be filled. Now I want you to think about this. They're in the storm and then the storm's getting inside of them. Check this though. They're in the presence of God, but the presence of God was not getting inside of them. Do you think about that? Isn't it true that we're more susceptible to being filled with the storm than the presence of God? Sometimes we're quicker to be filled with fear than we are with faith. Um, but, but I want you to think about this. The boat's feeling, it was so easy for the storm. Let me tell you this. The storm will accidentally get inside of you. But God's presence can only intentionally get inside of you. 
In other words, if you choose neither, you're going to be filled with the storm. And here's what I would say. Going through the storm may be optional, but being filled with the storm is not. Or going through, let me say it, that, that didn't make sense. Back up. <laughs> going through the storm may not be optional, but being filled with the storm is. Going through the storm may not be optional. We're all going through a storm. We didn't pick it. We didn't sign up for it. I don't know about y'all, but I didn't, I didn't check this box. I didn't sign up for this thing. It's not optional to go through it, but it is optional on whether it gets inside of me or not. And, and I thought about this, that, that Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine. And I think that's a good word for somebody right now in the midst of the storm is put your wine down. All right, put your wine down. It's, it's not even, you know, it's still in the morning. Put your wine down. Um, it says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to recklessness or wildness, but... But look at this. This is a command that Paul gives the Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit. See, here again in this passage, you know what Paul's saying? You're going to be filled with something. And he's saying you need to be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5, Paul would tell the Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, look at this, The fruit. be filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, or endurance. It's really patient endurance is the word peace there. Love, joy, peace peace, perseverance. So today, think about that. Think about that. Here's what Paul's saying. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because when I'm full of the Spirit, I'm filled with everything that God is. And God is loving. God is patient. But, but God is joy. But God is also peace. God is also peace. And today you can be filled with peace. Can I be honest with you? We have church not just to get you into the presence of God. We have church because we're trying to get God's presence into you. And can I be honest, right now, wherever you're at, God's presence can get into you. If you'll say, hey, I'm not gonna focus, I'm not gonna assign or assess or ascribe power to the storm, I'm gonna focus on God. I'm gonna focus on His Word. I'm gonna focus on what He's saying. And I'm gonna be filled today with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that's a choice too? You're gonna to be filled with something. You get to choose what you're filled with. I'm gonna pray for you. And again, maybe stand where you're at, participate with us. I know it may seem silly to stand in your pajamas in your living room, but it's not because it's, a, it's really an act of agreement of saying, no, 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 I'm in this. This word is my word. This is for me. And, and I'm gonna pray for us today. Um, but again, do not tune out. Pastor Mark's coming with some important information, but. Father, I thank you today, God, that there may be a storm outside, but it doesn't have to be inside. God, I thank you today that you're with us in the storm. You're in our boat. And God, I pray right now, God, for everyone that's watching, I pray they would take a moment just like we do if we gather in person. And God, that they would ask what you're saying to them. In fact, God, we take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What is my rhema word? What is the word you want me to know? What is the word you want me to hear? God, I pray you would speak. And God, today, I pray if there's even just one person today that's watching 
that doesn't have you in their boat. God, maybe they've never come to believing, come to that place of faith, of trusting in you for salvation, to be saved. That just means to let the life of God in them and be filled with God, be filled with the life of God, to believe that Jesus came to make us right with God. Jesus came so we could be filled with the fullness of God, have relationship with God, that we could have life in us. And God, I pray if there's any one person watching today that, that maybe doesn't know that, they haven't experienced that, they never made that declaration of faith, I pray right now that they would, that they would choose you and they would say, Jesus, I choose you. I ask you to forgive me, make me a new person, fill me with your spirit. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. And God, I pray they would make that, make that decision. God, I pray for all of our church, wherever we are today, God, I pray for peace and healing, for rest, for faith, for joy. God, for patience as we walk through this together. God, thank you so much that we're not walking through it alone. Jesus, you don't send us into storms. You go with us through them. And we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for joining us today. It's been an absolute honor to come through your screen and device wherever you are. Stay tuned for just a few things from Pastor Mark. God bless you. We'll see you throughout the week at all the different live events and gatherings. We'll see you next weekend. We'll be online again. We'll see you next weekend, 9, 11, or 4. God bless you.